You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here's today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so today we want to talk about, or I want to talk about, I'd like you to listen and apply it to your lives as I prayed about it. You know, what do I talk about? I want to talk about the Word of God today. So we all know that we should read the Bible more. There's been many Bible plans submitted to you. version has tons of Bible plans. Uh, lots of ways to read through your Bible, and everybody, I think, has a Bible. We've got normal Bibles. There's a Christian Standard Bible in the back table, a new one that somebody could take home. We uh, give out these new Living Translation, uh, How to Find God, New Testaments, and um, they have lots of notes to help people. But really, when it comes to a Bible, sometimes when we hand somebody a Bible, it's like we've handed a hungry man a big fish and a fillet knife, and they've got no clue what to do with it. They're like, thanks, that's all I wanted to do was read something. And they're like, what do you do with a book? Obviously, you like start on page one, and you read through Genesis, and it's like, cool, Exodus, Leviticus, it's kind of weird, what are we doing here? We're sacrificing things? Does that mean by sin, the cat's got to go? Well... If you're not a cat lover, maybe you want to do that anyway. But uh, you just go through the Bible and you're like, what is this? I don't get it. I'm so confused. And so you and I need to help people understand what we've just handed them. 66 books inside of a library, inside of a cover, Old Testament, New Testament. Help people figure out what you've given them. Help them figure out how to read it. And for you and I, we need to do more than just read the text. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. I noticed that uh, Beth Moore, who has a lot of women's uh, ministry videos and teachings and things like that, got herself in trouble in the beginning of the year for saying that reading God's Word wasn't enough. What she said on Twitter was, spending time with God, well here, I think I have it on the screen actually. She wrote, spending time with God and spending time with the Bible are not the same thing. The Bible is the Word of God, crucial to knowing Him, but it's not God. We can study our Bibles till the second coming and leave God completely out of it. We can grow in facts and never grow a wit in faith. Boy, she took a lot of criticism for that, but I actually agree with that, that you can come to the Bible as a literary book and you can memorize the facts and you can know the stories and you can even tell people the stories, but that doesn't mean that you've truly invested yourself in the Word of God, that you've truly worshipped God through His Word, that you're applying it to your life. Instead, you're just reading it, and you can read it all the time. You can read it every year as you go through, and it won't even change you if you don't try to apply it. Uh, Then she tweeted a little later, Do not be deceived. People who study the Scriptures constantly and are continually mean-spirited, rude, slanderous, and aside their religious rhetoric, bereft of outward evidences of the Holy Spirit, are having Bible study without God. He affects us you can take that to the bank. So I agree with what she's saying. Every now and then, I feel it's a good use of my time to do a little sword sharpening on Facebook and kind of reply to some of these people in these other Bible discussion groups, pastor discussion groups, that say stupid things. So I got into it this week with somebody who said that uh, if you're doing it right, if you're serving Jesus as the way Jesus said then you're probably going to have a really small church that will fit in your living room because that's the way Jesus wanted it. And I'm like, what? I, chapter and verse for that, it's like, yeah, God can use the house church that meets in the apartment, but he can also use the mega church that meets in the Colosseum and everything in between. And why would you cut off anybody who seems to be doing something for God and say, oh, 
There must be some sin or compromise in their life. We shouldn't spend money on buildings. We should just give all the money to the poor. It's like, well, we should give money to the poor, but we should also build buildings so that there can be a local church in every community, a place for people to run in their time of need, a place for people to be married, a place for people to go when it's time for funerals, for them to be buried. Sometimes, sometimes people suggest to me that we buy a storefront for a church building. Wouldn't it be great if we had our own place and we so much want our own place? Got 10 acres of land on the highway almost paid for. Just need about $750,000 or so to put a building out there. So uh, for some reason, if you like get a big inheritance and don't know what to do with it or something like that, we've got a plan. We just need your money. But anyway, to have those buildings would be awesome. And with the storefront things, the first question I always ask myself is that a place where you'd want your kids to be married? Seriously, you want your kids to be married there? Or when it comes time for the end of your life and people are grieving or celebrating your life because you're a Christian, is that where you want to have the service? Do you want to do a funeral there? When it comes time for your parents to go and you want the church to come alongside and have a funeral, what kind of building do you want? So I think all those things are important. And I think that one of the things that we always have to ask people when they say stupid things is chapter and verse, please. Chapter and verse. Maybe I was a little rude. I'm not sure. But uh, he was, this guy was spouting off all this stuff. And he said, we need to be Bereans. And the first thing I said is, you spelled Berean wrong. And then I went into the other stuff. So I don't know. If you're going to say you should be a Berean, at least spell it correctly. So Acts 18, 9 through 10. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. The Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Is God speaking to you in visions? If he is, you might need to check and see if it's really of God, but he could. But here, God is speaking to Paul. God spoke to Moses. God spoke to Abraham. You look through the Old Testament, you see all these places where God speaks, and God speaks to Paul. And I want God to speak to me. I want God to speak to me and say, hey, I know that you're an audible voice. I know that you're afraid. I know you don't think this is going to work. Don't worry. I got it covered. Just go. Do it. Do what I called you to do. You got nothing to worry about. Trust me, because I'm speaking to you right now. The thing is, is that God spoke then like that, but now God speaks through his word. Sometimes there's an impression on your heart. Sometimes God speaks through other people, uh, you know, encouraging you to do things, but usually it's a reaffirmation of what God's already been working on your heart with. But God speaks to us now through the Bible, through the Bible rightly applied. And sometimes we're not listening. Sometimes we say, God isn't speaking to me. It's like, but we're not reading our Bible. So how do you expect God to speak to you if you're not spending time in his word? Because that's often how God speaks through the Holy Spirit. If you want God to speak with you, you need to spend time in his word. And sometimes we spend time in his word and it's like, I got my Bible reading plan. I got my Bible, reading the Bible. You ever tried that reading the Bible through in 90 days? I've done that one before. Not really sure everything that it said. Uh, I did read the words. Sometimes you need to slow down. Sometimes you just need to sit there and listen. Do you know that God does not say that you have to read the Bible to be saved? There's no commandment that says, thou shalt read the Bible every year to be saved. But you would want to, wouldn't you? Did you know there's no command that says anywhere that you need to charge your cell phone or tablet? I mean, they'll let you buy the thing, and you can do whatever you want with it. I mean, if you want to buy it, use it once, put it on the shelf, never recharge it, whatever you want to do. If you want to become a Christian and say you're going to follow Christ and never recharge on the Word of God, never recharge through prayer, never recharge by waiting on the Lord, serving the Lord, answering His call in your life, 
You could do that, but you'll totally miss out. You'll always be an immature Christian. People will come and they'll, they'll try to ask you theological questions you won't have the answer to. You won't have a clue. You'll be easily misled theologically because you've got nothing to stand on because you don't spend time in God's Word. So obviously, we need to spend time in God's Word. So a couple things that the Bible tells us about God's Word is the Bible is God-breathed and useful. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that means that God spoke through those 40 different authors by uh, inspiring them, but when you break the Greek down, it's actually God-breathed, not just inspiration. God just didn't give them idea the idea through the Holy Spirit, but wanted them to write it in a certain way, to say it in a certain way. And yeah, you can tell that some of the authors put some of their character into it and stuff like that, but it's God-breathed. God gave it to us. God wants us to know it. So what, when this was written, what was all Scripture? Well, it was the Old Testament, and then it was what Paul was writing in his letters because that was accepted as Scripture then, and now it's what we have between the pages, Old Testament and New Testament, from the table of contents to maps. The maps aren't inspired, and the verse references weren't God-breathed, but the actual scriptures itself are, which is an interesting thing because you'd think that it would just, since it came from Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, that we just have one Bible translation. And some of us complain, oh, there's so many Bible translations. Why can't we just have one? And they're like, we should just use the King James. The only problem is, is that the people I'm trying to reach, they don't speak King James. And we have Bibles that are thought for thought and word for word. So like the New American Standard Bible, English Standard Bible, they try to take the Greek and Hebrew and find the words and make it really close to what it said exactly. And so sometimes it's hard to read. And the people you're trying to reach walk away from it and they're like, I don't get it. They read Romans and Galatians and they're like, I feel like I'm reading a legal dissertation or something. I just don't get it. And they get the New Living Translation which is a dynamic equivalent where the Bible scholars, I think there are like 70 of them, um, said, okay, so this is what the Greek or Hebrew and Aramaic says, and this is what this means, this thought, this group of words means this thought, and this is what it means in our language, and this makes it readable to the person, and so uh, we have this dynamic equivalent. And then we have things like the NIV and the Christian Standard Bible, which are somewhere in between. And we have all these different Bible translations. And there's a ton of Bible translations I totally don't like, but I do like, like, uh, don't usually use the New King James Version, but I like it. I like the English Standard Version, but it's kind of hard to read sometimes. Uh, I wouldn't use that for a new believer. I like the New Living Translation. Uh, I like the NIV, well, 84 for sure. The newer NIV, we're, eh, we're still thinking about that one. So uh, the New American Standard Bible is a good word-for-word translation, um, and some of the others, Christian Standard Bible is a new one. But anyway, so we have all these translations, we have all these opportunities, and, and so on one of these Facebook Bible pastors things, so I get a lot of stuff from other pastors, which is great, because I mean, I'm out here by myself. Before I came here, I was on a team, so the church before I was here, there were three of us, and then the church before that, there were three of us, and before that, I went to a church that there were, I don't know, 13 pastors and 4,000 people. Uh, when we went to Wooddale, but now I'm out here by myself. So I like, you know, some of the interaction and everything like that. But one of the questions asked was, if you were given one book, if you could only take one book, you're going to travel the world, whatever, you can only take one book with you for a year. That's all you could read is from that one book for one year. What, bi- what would you take with you? And if it's a Bible, which one and why? And I said that I would take 
the updated New Living Translation Bible, the Life Application Study Bible version, so that I could continue to grow and use it to encourage others along the way. Because uh, there's lots of notes and helps in there, and if I'm out there all by myself, I'm sure if I'm traveling the world, I'm going to meet some people, and what a great opportunity to share the Bible with them in that way. So I like to study the Bible, um, you know, when the text is difficult, but I'd also like to memorize the Bible in a way that I can easily share with people that are biblically illiterate. And lots of people are biblically illiterate. As a matter of fact, as time is going on, you'd think that more and more of us would know the Bible, that more and more of us would understand the Bible. But uh, the Barna Group in 2016 wrote this article, The Bible in America, The Changing Landscape of Bible Perceptions and Engagement. And it says, the Bible in America study reports that 62% of the people in the community surrounding our churches would like to read the Bible more. Another study reports 87% of the people in our churches want help understanding the Bible better, yet Bible reading is waning. Recent studies demonstrate that in one generation, the number of occasional Bible readers has fallen by 20%, the equivalent of 700 people per day. If this trend continues, by 2040, two-thirds of Americans will have no meaningful connection with the Bible. So we need to share the Bible. We need to be excited about the Bible. We need to learn the Bible, memorizing the Bible. We need to know what Bible translations are out there and what they're good for. And it is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for teaching us what to do and for teaching other people what to do, for rebuking when, and correcting. So uh, when, we're, when we're doing something wrong, the Bible can correct us. It can correct our actions and our thoughts and our motives and help us live the life that really matters now. Uh, also, we can use it to help get other people on the right path. Come alongside somebody and say, I see that you are straying off course. It's a narrow road and that you've strayed off course. And God's Word says that you should do it this way. And if you do it this way, God can bless you. And if you do it this way, that's better. If you do that, that's actually sin. And you don't want to go there because that will destroy your life. So it's not your opinion. It's not your philosophy. It's God's Word says it and rightly divided, rightly understood. This is what it means. And therefore, uh, I encourage you to change your ways. I, I want to even help you be accountable to change your ways in training in righteousness, correcting and training in righteousness. And we need to be trained in righteousness. So if you want to live the Christian life, not just the mediocre, I prayed to receive Christ, got some fire insurance. Church is kind of boring. I don't really know what God wants from me. I feel guilty all the time. If you want to get past that and live a life that says, I know that God's word says that I'm supposed to serve him and share my faith and the Holy Spirit will help me. And I know that Romans 7 talks about what a mess my life is or Paul's life was. And then Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation for those in Christ, which means that I don't have to feel guilty for the past because Jesus has forgiven me of the past and I can move forward and trust him that God's word is God-breathed and useful. And then in Hebrews 4, 12, it says that God's word is alive and active. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. So through the Holy Spirit, God's word is alive. That's why you can read the Bible so many times and get different things out of it. So you'll be reading and you'll be like, I read this passage 20 times and I see this now, that I should do this, that I should change that, that I should live this way, that God wants me to do that. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to you, and it is alive. It knows you. It knows your inner thoughts. It knows what you've been doing. 
Uh, it knows what you need to do. It knows the encouragement that you need. And sometimes you'll even be able to pray about things and then you'll just see it in God's Word. Actually, there have been times when I've been praying about things and I'll be like, God, I don't understand that. And I'll hear somebody like on Christian radio or in a podcast that I listen to or something, and they'll answer that question from God's Word. So as you have questions, as you have doubts, as you have fears, as you have, every, as you have hopes and dreams, pray about those things and ask God to show you, ask God to help you that God's Word is alive and active. So what do we do with God's Word? Like I said before, sometimes it seems like you've handed somebody a big fish and a knife and they've got no idea how to fillet it. They're hungry, but they've got no idea how to clean that thing. And so we can do more than just read the Bible. We can do more than just read through the pages and wonder what it's about. One, we can prepare ourselves to listen and obey. So when we open our Bibles, we, for our Bible study, we should ask God to help us to understand what it is that we're going to read. That we should ask God to show us what it is in His Word that we need to hear, what it is that we need to obey, what it is that we need to change, what it is that we need to believe and accept, and we need to prepare ourselves by that we should confess any known sin and pray that God would open our hearts and minds, but we should prepare to listen and obey. Do you come to your Bible and you go, okay, I want to spend some time in God's Word and I really do want life change. What is it that you want to show me here today, Lord? Sometimes when you have a Bible reading plan and you've got a scheduled group of readings, sometimes that's the best way to stumble upon things you need to hear. Uh, the idea of, you know, just, oh God, what is, what is it that you want me to do? Um, and you close your eyes and you open a page and you put your finger down on it. I did that one time when I was doing a youth group thing. And uh, it said, I think I was in Joshua, it said they strapped their swords to their side they ran through the camp and they slew everyone. And I'm like, that is probably not God's will for us today. So, so be careful. That's not a good way to do it. But prepare to listen and obey. And then picture what he's saying in the Bible. You know, on Right Now Media and sometimes on Amazon Prime and uh, Faith Life, uh, they've got all these videos and they'll like show you pictures of Bible lands and historical pictures and things like that. And then you get a general idea of what was going on back then, and it's easier to picture what was going on. Sometimes you want to read the Bible, and you want to think about the context that it was written in. What were those people going through at that time? What was their life like? What, is it, what does it mean? What, what are these soldiers? or What is this all about? And you do some historical background checking. A life application Bible helps you see that sometimes. Some of the other study Bibles, too. to Try to picture what he's saying in the Bible. You want to be careful with that because sometimes people get kind of, kind of frivolous and they like make their own applications that make no sense at all. They read the passage and like, oh, I see what's going on here. And then they like put their own ideas to it and they totally twist it and they come up with some really idea, weird ideas. It is good actually to read scripture and then come up with your own conclusions and then check it on a, against a Bible commentary or a study Bible. Make sure your conclusions are right. But here are two bizarre ways the Bible has been interpreted. Daniel prayed a lot and had sweet toys. And the king got jealous. So the king had him thrown into the lion's den.
Daniel had a slinky. The lions had never seen such an amazing device, and they befriended Daniel and let him braid their manes. When the king saw that the lions hadn't eaten Daniel, he realized Daniel might be a cool guy. So he pulled him out of the lion's den, and they all lived happily ever after. So what does the Bible teach us here? Always carry a slinky. Low-depth Bible studies. If you aren't getting in-depth, you aren't getting the whole picture. When you're being persecuted for doing right, angels are better than slinkies. Jonah was on a Mediterranean cruise when a typhoon hit. While the crew tried to lighten the load, Jonah hid in the engine room and broke into the mending machine. The crew threw him overboard because he ate all the Funyuns. A big whale swallowed him. But it spit him out because he tasted like onions. So what does the Bible teach us here? Don't eat all the snacks. Death Bible studies, if you aren't getting in depth, you aren't getting the whole picture. So no, Funyuns are fine. Don't run away from God's will for your life. I mean, that's funny. I found that on Right Now Media, actually. We offer Right Now Media to all of you. But the general idea is that there's a lot of people that take Scripture, and they take it totally out of context, and they come up with all these weird things that aren't exactly what God had intended to say to you. So not everything in the Bible is meant to bless you, make your life comfortable, make everything about you make your life easy. Sometimes life is difficult. There's even persecution and hardship and all these things. And so we need to realize that the Christian life isn't easy. The Christian life is hard. Matter of fact, the idea that when you come to Christ, it's like, yes, your sins will be forgiven, but it doesn't mean your whole life's going to be easier. Matter of fact, when you come to Christ, it puts a big target on your back and Satan wants to do everything he can to sit you down and to shut you up and to keep you out of your Bible and to keep you from winning other people to Christ. So then there's spiritual conflict and difficulty and sometimes persecution. But so when you picture what he's saying in the Bible and you paraphrase, paraphrase what you read, you want to figure out what exactly is being said and what is the true point. An interesting thing about the Bible is from, I think, Genesis 3.15 all the way to Revelation. As you read through it, you can find that almost always there's some part of it that's always pointing to Jesus Christ. There's a way to look at it and say, I see Jesus in the way, in the grace, in the way things, people are treated, in a way that God provides for uh, the, the people that can't help themselves and all these things, and that is an awesome thing. But you have to be careful because you can't apply everything in the Bible the same way. So when you get into the book of Job, I mean, we've got the red letter Bible where um, you've got red letters where Jesus spoke. There's some Christians that think you should only listen to the red letters, and I think that's ridiculous because the Bible said all Scripture is God breathed, all of it. So when you get to Job, Job's friend, Job's friend say some things that are bizarre, that aren't things that you can take to the bank. And God even rebukes them for that. And I wish that they would color that a different color. So uh, my friend Ken Castor from Crown College helped write the Jesus-centered Bible. And in the Old Testament, they've got the words of, of like, when it talks about Christ in the Old Testament, they have those words in blue. But uh, I thought in the book of Job, maybe they should have brown letters that says, this is not worth applying to your life. This is Job's friend's bad advice. So paraphrase what you read and pray about what you read. Pray about how can I apply this to my life? 
pray about how am I supposed to understand this and interpret this? How am I supposed to live this out? How am I supposed to teach this? What is the priority in the thoughts that I have here? Um, pray about what you read and ponder the text. Ponder the, think about the text. So ponder, you've got to do some work. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is the group we're a part of, he lived like 100 years ago or more, says, God has hidden every precious thing in such a way that it is, it is a reward to the diligent, a prize to the earnest, but a disappointment to the slothful soul. All nature is arrayed against the lounger and the idler. The nut is hidden in its thorny case. The pearl is buried beneath the ocean waves. The gold is imprisoned in the rocky bosom of the mountains. The gem is found only after you crush the rock which encloses it. The very soil gives its harvest as a reward to the laboring farmer. So truth and God must be earnestly sought. And you will gain the most when you spend time in God's Word. So here's eight questions as you ponder. Quickly, eight questions that will help you understand and apply the Bible. And there's actually many different methods. I could give you some stuff that Lifeway gives out for free that helps you to uh, look at a Bible text and ask questions of it. But quickly, here's eight questions. First four questions for interpretation. What do I learn about God from this passage? What do I learn about people? I mean, God puts us among people. The church is about people. We're supposed to worship God among people. So God wants us to know how to interact with people. What do I learn about relating to God? And what do I learn about relating to others? Those are four questions that we can ask of a Bible passage as we're pondering it. What can I learn from that? And then we don't, like the guy in the cartoon on the back of your bulletin, we don't cross out the stuff we don't like. So we don't say, well, I don't really like that. I'm going to rip that page out. Uh, Here, it's God's Word. Read it. Don't redact it. A.W. Tozer had said, I've always felt that when we read and study the Word of God, we should have great expectations. We should ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the person, the glory, and the eternal ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps our problem is in our approach. Perhaps we have simply read our Bibles as we might read a piece of literature or a textbook. So, four more questions for application. What does God want me to understand or think? What does God want me to believe? What does God want me to desire? And what does God want me to do? So those are some questions that you can ask. And then you can make plans based upon what you've read. You can make a commitment to change something. You can make a commitment to do something, to memorize something. You can make plans to apply it. Because it doesn't do anything if you go and you read it, but you don't apply it to your life. It should change and transform you. You should let God work in your life so that God's Word can change and transform you so that you can be empowered by the living and active Word of God. So my cell phone or my tablet, when I plug it in, I know it's going to last a certain amount of time. And I know that if I'm using it like high power, like my computer, you know, if I'm using it, battery, high power, trying to get everything out of it, it's working hard. It's the same as when we're working hard, when we're serving the Lord. The more we're serving, the more we're pursuing, the more we need to be plugged in to God's Word. And if you're not a reader, then listen to it. Uh, Uversion lets you click on a button and listen to it. Uh, there are so many different ways that you can listen to the Word, to read the Word. There's even video Bibles that you can watch that are available to you. And some of that's on Right Now Media, the service that we offer you for free. So my encouragement to you is to spend time in the Word of God, but actually to invest in it, to do the work, to grow. We can't, I mean, just you come in here on Sundays isn't enough. You've got to be self-feeding. You've got to feed yourself during the week. Our whole goal and whole purpose for church is not that you just show up on Sundays and like listen to 
music and listen to who's ever preaching have something to say. We'd rather have you trained up during the week, God's Word in you, you're all filled up, you're ready to serve, we come together, we encourage each other. Uh, maybe sometimes you even know more than who's ever preaching the sermon, but we come together as a team, we come together because we are on mission to make disciples uh, here and around the world. And some of you, maybe some of your kids, maybe some of you are going to even make career changes and become missionaries or pastors or find ways to serve God full-time. Uh, some of you are going to say that it is your place in life to proclaim Jesus. And I'll finish with this, and the worship team can head up here. But uh, years ago, actually, no, last year, I saw an interstate battery commercial that talked about God's love, and I think it was on ESPN or something like that. And I'm like, that is so cool. Someday when I need a battery, I'm going to buy an interstate battery. And so it turns out I needed a battery, and I did. The other day I went out, I bought an interstate battery, and I'm like, I just want to reward them for that advertisement, for taking that risk. And then I realized that that I am second thing, I am second.com that I have on the back of my car, was actually the whole idea was funded and started by the president of Interstate Batteries. So he started it, and that's why there's I am second.com and all those videos of those athletes and stars and normal people sharing their struggles in Christ and why Christ is first and they're second. And so here's a business guy that said, I'm going to do this for Christ. I'm going to do this, make a difference. And it's impacted so many people. And maybe you'll do that in your business or with your career. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we wouldn't walk out of here and say, yeah, I should read the Bible more, but that we would truly invest in it, that we would grow and that uh, we would be your servants ready to follow you and to serve you and to make a difference here and around the world and that you would do great things through every person here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.